0: This particular interview is, is going to be very powerful for your friends who are just starting out in employment, not yet in the middle of it, almost finishing what they think to be their career, people who are confused, people who are excited about new things. I need you to call your friends, your family seriously and tell them to get online because you're about to hear a very unique but powerful story and vision. Alright, every week we bring you stories of Ugandan business people, kingdom people, who are telling you their journey, their story. Why? That we may inspire you and challenge you to also pick up your own journey and move forward and change the stories of people around you, beginning with your very own. And so today, we also have a great opportunity to host Miss Joan Mugenzi. Please help me make her feel Welcome. Yeah. John, welcome. Thank you, Beatrice. Yeah, you, you hear her sounding very calm. She's about to get fiery soon when she starts talking about the stuff that she's passionate about. But John, seriously, thank you for being on Business Garage. I feel like you are different and in a good way because every we've had lots of... When we get together, people are usually waiting for people who are bringing something. um, When we talk about business, it's different. What What we're going to talk about with you is a different type of business. And so I think that we're going to encourage very many of you, especially who are different. Okay, all of us are different, but there are those who are a bit more different. So I'm very encouraged by that. And thank you for saying yes to our invitation. I think we're going to have a very good time. So let's start from the beginning, Joanne. Who is Joanne? What did you dream of becoming as a younger, you're still young, so younger, girl? When you were much younger, what did you dream of becoming? What, just let's start with the beginning. What kind of family were you born into? What kind of opportunities did you have? What were your dreams as a younger girl?
1: Okay,
0: thank you so much, Beatrice. Wow,
1: what a journey, I'm on the fourth floor, so you can imagine Woo-hoo. when they tell you to share your story. It will be a long journey, but I will try to be brief. Uh, growing up, one of the things that I wanted to become was a pilot. Okay, wow. that was one. <laughs> that was one aspect. Yes, and then I thought, oh, this seems to be a little bit boring because the reason for that I really wanted to travel the world, ah. and then along the way I kind of visualize that probably ambassadors, the thing that they do is to travel the world. So I decided now I want to be an ambassador, okay? (laughs) And I tied into that. (laughs) So I said, okay, now I will be an ambassador so that I can travel the world and all that. But that has something to do with the fact that I was also raised in Entebbe, especially in my teenage life. We lived in Entebbe and our home was a transition home. Mm. Those were the days of no Al Qaeda. So, really, you would wait for the plane coming down and then you would tell whoever you're taking to the airport that, you know, it's time for us to go to the airport. It's time for you to travel. And we had many of those trips. So, I always dreamt of a time when it would be me that they are taking to the airport, okay? So that I'm not the one that is. You know, accompanying people, you know, Sabina Airways, the other time it's British Airways, and you think, so you see, I'm not of yesterday, those are the airlines, okay? And then, um, of course, life happened as it happened. I went through school, completed the university, and, yeah, even then I used to accompany my dad to different places. He was always moving around the um, the country, and in my S4 vacation, I remember traveling around with him and then getting to see all these different places. Sometimes they would even put me on the spot to speak and I would think, okay, what am I supposed to talk about? And then I end up in jobs that were quite interesting Mm -hmm. because I'm a journalist. Mm -hmm. That's what I trained in first. And that meant I have never, all my life, I've never really had an eight to five job until I became self-employed. So I was always on the move. I was always on the move. So I left uh, New Vision, went into World Vision, and World Vision, that's where my childhood dream came to pass because I was busy supporting close to 25 countries. And that meant I was living my life off the plane. So it's okay to dream.
0: (laughs) Yes. Oh, wow. Well, Joan has sort of tried, she has reduced a big chunk of the story. Our sound has changed a bit here so hopefully it can it can go back to how it was before but the story that you tell of i want us to go now back into because here you are you finished university and so take us through your journey because your 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 journey eventually and what you're doing with inspire is that your Im, imagine me is that you're talking about um transitioning right it's about transition and it's interesting that you say you lived in a transitional home <laughs> sort of the place where you are is people are moving from place to place it seems to have chosen you from the beginning but let's talk about so you start out in new vision what were you doing tell us this journey from there to for the person who's watching they might be thinking what oh my God, that's, you know, your beginnings, like the places you've worked and they're having all sorts of imaginations. Maybe you're already on (laughs) aeroplanes straight out of campus. So can you take us through, and what was going on for you as a person going through transition that led to the passion that you now have? Okay, interesting. Of
1: course, like I said, when you're you're in a a big home and you're seeing all kinds of uh, people, there are challenges that you begin encountering. One of the things that I didn't want was to come out of university and then begin job hunting and sit, uh, sit home. You don't know what is next. What happened that time, I remember it was uh, my uncle's wedding. And at that wedding, I found um, an aunt who was uh, working at New Vision and I asked her, how do people start freelance writing? Mm. Because at that time, I, had, I think we had just left university. And then she said, oh, you, do you really want to write? I said, yes, I had no clue how you write for a newspaper. But you know, that confidence, you actually need confidence in everything, that confidence <laughs> that, yes, I want to start writing. Said, okay, on Monday, come to the office, then we'll talk to some people. I went to the, on Monday to the office. The person we needed to see wasn't there. They asked me to go back on a Wednesday. I went back on Wednesday, and I think the person who interviewed us just thought, this young girl has no clue what she's talking about. So she, it's that person that pushed me to Features and decided to retain the others for news. And when we went into that Features section, there was a meeting that was happening. So they immediately asked me to join the meeting. I remember they served us swept pineapple. So you can imagine, yeah, I was there listening in. And I was just confused in that meeting, but I was happy that, okay, a journey is starting. And now, of course, I was telling myself, look, you've left university. I was on, I mean, for me, I was on the street for only two weeks. So I was thinking, okay, if I've finished university, there is nothing that I can't learn. And so that first month, for those of you who are a little older, New Vision at the time had what they call crazy, crazy Kampala. Mm. So my name featured in the papers with crazy, crazy Kampala stories. Four of them, each one of them was 6,000 shillings. (laughs) So my first job, I earned 24,000 shillings at the end of (laughs) the month. To give it a little bit of context, some of the people that were in jobs that had started were earning 300,000. Wow. Okay, and of course then we had others who would tell, you know me, I want a job of 700000 I want a job of $1 million. but here I was earning 24000 <laughs> The next month it was 69000 And so now I had to do a reflection and say, what do I actually want? I scanned the features section and I thought, maybe I can do something for children. Maybe I can do something for women. When you're in your 20s, you're in a journey, you're scanning. And so I was asking myself, where can I find my footing?" So I started writing women things. And I remember one of the subjects that I really covered, and this one kind of ended up in a law, had a lot to do with um, domestic violence. Wow. And you know you would find people and you're thinking, how can they go through all these things that they're experiencing? Because today you're finding somebody who has been burnt with acid. Another day they tell you, oh, go and find this case in Mlago Hospital that this, this and this has happened to them. So after a while, I think I abandoned Um, the women's section and I started focusing more on health but also even now when I was writing about women and men I was focusing on their health and so that was a journey transition number one I scanned and I asked myself if I want to grow Mm -hmm. how can I become intentional about my journey in my young professional mind I almost thought I'm not going to grow in this environment because I kind of thought that if you're going to grow in this newspaper space, you need to be in politics. And I was not a fan of politics. I didn't see myself going out there to cover all these kinds of things. And I started thinking, I need to leave this place at some point. And I focused on health. And part of the reason, okay, I focused on health, but part of the reason were the intellectual conversations I was having with people in the medical field. I would really feel challenged. You know, I think I love challenge. Mm-hmm. I, I love listening to people saying things where I feel that I am learning because I'm a lifelong learner. So these people, I would just be mesmerized That I would tell myself, I need to study public health at some point. <laughs> so an opportunity came with the school of public health. There was an HIV fellowship program. I left. And uh, when I joined that fellowship program, it was another challenging environment. I think there were only two of us who didn't have a master's degree. The wow. rest had a master's degree. We were 14. So the other people had a master's degree, and I started thinking, well, we are studying the same things. If we go out, what is going to happen? I can't compete with them, so I immediately thought I need to think about the next steps. And I had looked for scholarships. I'm sure, I mean, when I see the young faces here, I'm sure some of you are looking for scholarships. Mm-hmm. I looked for scholarships, and I failed to get them. One, I nearly got it, and somewhat things didn't work out. Yeah. And so, at that point, I saved money. The story that I didn't tell you is that uh, when I went on to this fellowship program, they gave... Remember, I started with 24, went to 69. The monies became... You know, we started revising them a little bit. I get this fellowship program. I'm a student, and my stipend is double the gross of what I was earning. So now, it was an opportunity to be wise, save for my master's degree. Mm. I did that. I remember I graduated on October 5th, and on November 5th, somebody called. Said, you know, we are looking for someone who has communications and public health. We have something coming up, and we want you to support us. Mm. And that's the first time I touched real money. Real money. (laughs) Real money. Don't ask me what I used the money for. But it was a contract for 35 days, and each day was $200. Seven thousand dollars. You can imagine someone who started at 24,000 earning some seven thousand dollars, and of course, then a fellowship program ended, attached me to World Vision. When I was with World Vision, two pieces of advice that I got that I will live with people here as well, mm. depending on where you are. Yes, in my place. Two people, I mean, I spoke to so many people, but these two people always stand out. One of them told me, You've joined World Vision, it's like a big swimming pool. You either float or sink. Let that settle in. Hmm. The second one told me, Well, you've come to World Vision, it is an international organization. Don't be involved in local politics. So, local politics said, Oh, okay. And now these are people that I would easily respect because They were both in senior positions. One of them was on the leadership team. The other one was already in an international setting, but they had been with the Uganda office. So I knew what they were telling me was heavily loaded. Cut the long story short. In exactly 15 months, I left the Uganda office, and I went into the Africa region. I never looked back until I chose to start my own vision. So new vision, world vision, and my My personal vision, vision, which is imagine me. (laughs)
0: Which is, imagine me, wow. Do you guys hear so much transition in this story? A lot of transition as a young woman getting into this space. And, and sort of trying your hand at many things is what it sounds like to me. Because someone might be watching and saying, maybe she knew exactly what she wanted. I don't seem to know what I want as an individual. So how did you maneuver these changes? Because there's lots of transition in your story. Uh, Even within the same organization, there was transitioning from writing this to going into, you know, you're dealing with now feature writing, then you come out of that, you're into health, you're not even a medical person, you know, and then out of that, you go and do public health. It's like, but how... What was going on in your mind? What do you feel was the guiding sort of force for you in continuous change? Because many people are afraid of change. They find themselves in a position where look, if this is what I have, even if it's paying this little, and I'm not too happy, it's something. You know. That. So what was happening for you is it that you had such an incredible support system, and you could make any change you wanted? What, the person watching now who's saying, I, how do I make changes? What is guiding you that I can pick on that could help me or just understand your mind?
1: OK. For starters, because I I did outside the university, when I went in here and I had my first job, my dad at home just asked asked me, are you sure this is what you want to do? I said yes. Mm -hmm. Then he said, you know, go and pick forms from the Uganda Management Institute so that you can do a postgraduate in journalism and media management so that you know exactly what it is that you're doing. So that first support system was more of saying, if this is a path that you want to take, I'm with you, so let me support you on that journey, okay? So now, because that is what is happening, they are putting you on that path, Mm. is then you're thinking, okay, this is exciting, let me see what is going on. But then, like I said, I was looking at the paycheck. I know that um, journalism puts you in that space, okay? Okay it gives you powers that are non-existent. (laughs) Sorry for the journalist, but sometimes it gives you powers that are non-existent. So I started thinking, okay, fine, at this age there are certain things that I can align, okay? There are certain things that I can align. And maybe just to also put it in in context, I've I've been one of those that have been blessed to have two father figures. My biological dad who passed on and then my dad that has really raised me to this point. So he's the one that I'm talking about, all these transitions that were happening in between. And so it was more of when somebody is saying, yes, I need to put you on the path so that I know you're clear in terms of where you're heading to. And so then what happens with um, that initial transition? I think it was more of the intentionality. I'm not sure I had visualized exactly how it was going to pan out but the intentionality of saying I must grow, okay? Mm -hmm. And then I knew it was always more, you're in this space, you're challenged, and you're saying, how can I position myself better? And interestingly, in discipleship class, that one also stands out for me. Mm -hmm. I'm a member of um, Watoto Church, KPC, Mm -hmm. then we had discipleship class. We did some psychometric tests, and I discovered that I was an encourager.
0: (laughs) Some of you are like, uh, encourager?
1: <laughs> yeah, what is exactly that? what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I discover that I'm an encourager. And you know what they tell us? Your gift will do what? Make room for you. Yes, it will make room for you. So, yes, yeah, I am an encourager. Make room for me. <laughs> <laughs> what does it even look like? If you're an artist, they will say, oh, yeah, we can see your piece. Yes. We'll work around it. You know, they will say, oh, you're a great teacher, you're a great this, you're an interior designer, you can do this, you love, you know, all those things. I was thinking, what on earth is this thing called encouragement? And so then, but the beauty of of being a Christian and knowing that, okay, now I have a clue, Mm -hmm. you become intentional in terms of how you pray. And begin asking God, so this gift of yours that you've given, because it is his gift. Yes. So you either, you know, and I know if you've given me a gift and you've decided to reveal it to me, better show me what I'm supposed to do with it. Because yeah, it is, it's a, an ambiguous gift. Mm-hmm. I know I'm supposed to encourage, how do I do that? And so I start, I, I went on a quest. But maybe also the other thing that was interesting, there's a time I was you know, when they introduce these things of vision, mission, you're thinking, so do you have one vision for this, another vision for another thing? <laughs> and I remember I got a statement again from the, from the Lord. Yes, so there are those moments where, there are a few moments where I've had an opportunity to hear God in a, an audible voice. That was one of them. Because, I mean, you're in the bathroom and you hear an instruction. Lead a life that demonstrates the virtues of a true Christian lady dedicated to my commitments. Um, dedicated to my commitments, doing quality work and positively impacting those around you. Okay. So now, doing quality work was easy yes. because I'm thinking, what are the standards? What, are we, what is expected of us? Bang. Mm. Okay? Commitment is easy. When I commit, I commit. Mm. And now I'm um, at that point when I'm not going to commit to something, I will clearly tell you no so that I don't give you false hope. But then this bit of positively impacting those that I'm interacting with wasn't very clear. So now it became a season of every time if I meet Beatrice, internally I'm praying, God, what do you want me to do with this person? Because now it is clear, it's what I'm supposed to be doing. Whether it's 30 minutes or an hour or a lifetime, I want to know how am I going to encourage this person? So that was kind of the path that I took. And so then because that is what I'm doing I know okay now at this point how do we turn it into a real thing that yes. can now help and I'm glad that that is what is happening with Imagine Me because I'm using my gift even more now that I have turned it into a professional thing because now yes. I'm a professional coach
0: yes wow did you hear that the, the things she talked about there what I had was intentionality. It was an endless desire to grow. And you know, you're a professional coach and there's one of those really incredible coaches in the world, John Maxwell, talks about how you must know yourself to grow yourself, but the more you grow yourself, the more you know yourself. And so it seems like those two things are so intertwined that you are on a journey of, you kept saying to me earlier that you would ask yourself often, what do I really want? And when was the last time you asked yourself that question? What do I really want? Because it's possible to get busy and just do what needs to be done and not stop and ask, what do I really want? Why am I really here? What am I here to do? Because in doing that, you discovered a unique thing called encouragement, which sounds so, I'll say forged. I can say that confidently because I know that's one of the gifts I carried and I felt like it was forgery. You can't tell people that I'm an encourager. How is that going to put bread on your table? How is that going to help make room for you? How can you be there? And people are talking about serious gifts and yours is encouragement. But you see the gift you have is as serious as you take it. You have to believe it, you have to start harnessing it, and then using it to help others. And it makes room for you because here we are now talking about an entire company that is even international. You know, it's beyond Uganda, it's gone to Africa. But now let's talk about Imagine Me. So you've come, you've finally, first of all, how do you transition out of, look, you are heading 20 something countries, you're giving oversight. Why would you leave that to go and encourage people? <laughs> how does this transition begin? When did when did when did imagine me? Why do I keep saying inspire? Because you inspire people. Where did, where, where when when does it? At which year did it begin? What was happening in your life at that point? And why are you so passionate about this whole transitional coaching? Because you say you you talked about how critical it is. Why do you think it's important? Because someone out there is thinking: Is not transitional uh, coaching for people who are? coming out, who are retiring? Is it for people who are retiring and now they need to figure out life be, with grandkids or whatever? What does, first of all, what is it? What do you do? And how did that journey evolve? And, and, and were you excited, scared? What was going on in your mind?
1: Okay. I guess as you've heard my story, it's full of transitioning. Yes, So transitioning is not waiting to hit 60. And I'm talking about 60 because we talk about retirement age, and that is for people in government. Otherwise, if you are to follow the NSSA framework at 55, Mm. the world thinks you're becoming useless, at least in our context. So you can calculate and see how far are you away from 55. Of course, when you're 20, that is very old, okay? (laughs) But then when you're you're approaching, then it becomes scary to, to think about. But transition happens many ways. Transition could be that you're transitioning within an organization, you know, from one job to another, from one level of employment to the next. It could be that, you know, you, we've been peers and then all of a sudden, you know, I'm becoming your boss, that's a level of transition. There's also transition of saying, okay, fine, I want to switch from one job, one level of calling into another, like I mean, leave your public health things go into professional coaching. Uh-huh. It's a transition of, of sorts. And then there's the major one that people think about. Every time I tell people I'm an employment transition coach, so is it retirement planning? <laughs> <Exactly>. So retirement <laughs> planning is the big one. <laughs> and now the shock of people when I go to them, and when, because many times we've had assignments on retirement, and people have looked at me and said, hey, okay, we thought it's a very old person coming yes. to talk about retirement. And they are looking at me and they are thinking, what is she even going to tell us about retirement? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, for me, it's a gift. Let's come, let's talk about these things, let's transition. Mm-hmm. But um, that journey of um, this imagine me thing, I think, started in 2010. Mm-hmm. It started in 2010 because I had all these ideas of what I wanted to do. I read a book by Jack Canfield. He's actually my mentor, so to speak. The Success Principles. Principles, I read it in one weekend. It was a borrowed copy. By the way, I don't lend books. Good. (laughs) So I buy books. I don't really lend books. So this is one of those books that I actually borrowed because somebody gave me a lift. I looked at the book, and it was an interesting title. I said, can I read this book, they said, yes, I read it in one weekend. You know how thick that book is? Yes, I do. I read it in one weekend and it turned my perspective about many things, yes. okay? And the interesting thing was the fact that a number of the principles that are spoken about in that book are really biblical principles. Totally. So sometimes you just need another book to open up your mind. To what the Bible tells us, Joshua 1, says, do not let this book of the Lord depart from your lips meditate on it day and night. Then you shall be careful to do everything that is written in it, and you will be successful. So success is not a miracle. No, <laughs> It's principles you identify, do, and then success will follow. If you're doing the right thing, certainly those things will kind of... Um, Align so I had started trying out things in 2010 with universities. Very ambitious, I was even paying somebody to do that. Got a new laptop, gave it to them. They were doing their masters, and this person disappeared with uh, my laptop. Okay, so they disappeared with my laptop. God bless them wherever they are. I wish they are listening to know that I still have their number, (laughs) but I abandoned the things. But God is faithful in 2014 somebody posted on, um, on, on, on Facebook and said, I want someone to hold my hand and teach me how to make money the way my mama taught me how to peel matoke toke. I'm tired of motivational speakers and books that excite you and leave you there. And I made a comment that I don't think there's anything wrong with the books. I don't think there's anything wrong with the motivational speakers. The only constant factor is yourself. <laughs> what are you doing with what you're hearing? I'm sure here we have a whole audience. We have people online... Yeah, I can talk to all of you, but for me, my success factor, Beatrice, is one person. It's true. If one person can act on anything they pick, for me, that is my measure of success. Yes. Quite interesting because I also have a background in monitoring and evaluation. I've done a thousand and one <laughs> things, yeah, long yeah. life. So, <laughs> so, So, yeah, you're listening, you can decide to live with something and act on it because for me, my principle is simple. If I read a book, what are the two, three things I'm taking away before I spend money on the next book? That's a principle. Before I pick this one, this one, what have I picked? What have I done with it? And I mean, I've seen those success stories that are coming as a result of implementing something that I have learned. So in 2014, that journey starts... Now I'm excited and I decide, okay, let me design my program and I called it Imagine Me.
0: Yes.
1: So I called it Imagine Me. I remember I, I spoke to a business development consultant. I went to them. I think he's a member of this church, Alfred, Alfred uh, Agaba. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I spoke to Alfred Agaba. Alfred put me on the spot. You know how you go yapping? Mm. You yap, 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 and then says, okay, what is the story behind the story? And I'm thinking, mm. we've been talking for this while, <laughs> and you're t- asking me what is the story behind the story. I told him the story and said, wow, that's a beautiful story. It's a powerful story. You don't know what you're holding in your hands. You remember mm. the thing they told Moses, what are you holding yes. in your hands? So this, you, told, you don't know what you're holding in your, in your hands, so when are you quitting? So it's Alfred's, it's because of Alfred that I'm out of employment. (laughs) Alfred. (laughs) Wherever you you are, there is an amount of employment. So then I reflected for a bit. That was in 2014, because I started acting immediately, 2014. And then I tell him, you know what, I have a running contract this year. I don't think I'm ready to leave. Let me sign one more contract. Because Mm. now I knew I would give myself another two years. To plan my exit, and he told me, okay, now that you have a date Mm -hmm. in mind, Mm -hmm. start working every day as if you're already out there. Wow. So, my transition, I didn't have to wait to leave and start. And start, yeah. So, now that meant that I had, um, that was when 20, I was meant to leave in June 2017. Because of applying what Alfred had told me, Mm -hmm. I left in October 2016. So, nine months earlier than what was
0: expected. Because the planning had started to work. So, again, now you see there is not only the passion, the desire, the knowledge of what you wanted, but you had consultation. You had a a coach. You know, just like you are a coach. Even coaches need coaches. And so, you had someone who had more knowledge in the marketplace than you did who could help you. put things, And that helped you to transition smoother and faster. So where, where is Imagine Me right now? What does it look like? Tell us a little bit about what has happened in the last two, two, two and a half years, maybe, uh, in Imagine Me. What, what has happened? Just give us an idea. How many people have you been able to help? Uh, wh- how many, just what has happened? I know that right now you've signed your first international you know, yes, um, engagement contract, which is so exciting and more are coming. Mm-hmm. And so just a little bit, because it's been a short time, but it's been a long time of preparation and a short time of, of, of starting to have impact. What has happened so far?
1: Okay. I think if I say the last two and a half years, I'll be unfair to the process. Let, let me track it from 2014. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll track it from 2014 because, I, I mean, it's, it's part of the intentionality. I'm one of those people that tell people, yes, thank you, Worship Harvest, for sessions like this. We learn a lot from them. I'm always following on television. <laughs> but, but what usually happens is you must learn to invest in yourself. Let me start at that. Mm. Because my journey of, of um, shaping Imagine Me has been a journey of investment. That conversation with Alfred that I started off with, one of the things that I had promised myself when I read Jack Canfield's book was, wow, if a book can impact me this much, how much more if I had an opportunity of just being in an audience where he's facilitating. Yes. So I reached out. That was the first thing that I did. I reached out, Professor Google, mm. Canfield Live Events. And there they were, they popped up, and I thought, okay, the one for this year, I can't manage in 2014, but I booked August 2015. And there was something there. You know, they, you know how they pop up there and like, tell you, okay, the first 50 people to register, you have a special something with, uh, with, with Jack Canfield. I paid for that. I tried. I couldn't even swipe my cards. I called my brother in the US. I said, please use your card, register me, so that then I, I'm sure I've secured my slot. They wrote back to me and said, yes, you're part of the 50. And it wasn't small money. I'm, I'm talking yeah, sure. about about $8,000 of that process. So it was the first investment. Mm. So I do that, and then it comes with a training that I could become a a, a Canfield Success Principles trainer. So that that bit was there. And then I started evolving. Now, along the way, when I stepped out in 2016 October, I said, but I've never run a kiosk. (laughs) (laughs) How am I going to run a business when I've never even run, run a tomato kiosk? So I decided, okay, I looked for a program. It was a four-month program on business. The key thing that I ran away with out of that, it was this realization that this space that you're coming in called motivational space, there are no barriers to entry. Anything goes, okay? No barriers to entry. And for me, that disturbed me. Mm. Now, that disturbance brings another pain to me. Because remember, by the way, the reason I carved out the corporate space I would listen to people and they, they couldn't appeal to me. Not that their message was wrong, I was the wrong audience. Mm-hmm. And I was asking, who are the people out there who are speaking to people like me? And I thought, maybe that's a gap mm-hmm. that I can feel. Because if somebody has been exposed, they have a lot in their hands, how do you help them use that differently as opposed to just tell people, oh, I left a job of 500,000 or 1 million to start my thing. It's not resonating with the person, probably even their fuel card, what they have on there for fuel is double your 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 pay that you're running away from. That was part of the thing. And so then that's how I discovered professional coaching. I discovered professional coaching. I realized there's even a whole global body that uh, regulates coaches. And then I said, okay, let me study this thing called professional coaching and my the things that I discovered. Mm. And God is also so amazing. You had me on the recording. I said, you know, Proverbs 20, Mm. uh, verse 5 says, you you know, inside uh, the purposes of a man are deep waters, but it takes a person of insight. Some other version says they take a person of understanding to draw it out. So now in that moment, I realized that, you know what, not everybody who is speaking to you just because they have head knowledge, they know what they are doing. So professional coaching along the way has taught me that you're co-creating something with this person. Mm. So I was able to dive into that. And I'm happy to also mention now that as coaches, we are beginning to regulate ourselves. We've even created the International Coaching Federation Uganda chapter, for which I'm the founding president. Mm-hmm. And for me, that is exciting that we are now drawing some framework. The Maxwells have a brand that they are running with. Yeah. Now we have other coaches who fall nowhere. Yes. But they have the title coach. And in most cases, by the way, there they are all these uh, professions that serve... Uh, human potential, the human advancement. And it's okay. It's okay for you to call yourself a mentor because a mentor is somebody who has been there, done that. They are not a coach. No. (laughs) They've been there, done that. So they are helping you to take you through the steps. Even when people come to me, I don't accept everybody. To coach them. Because sometimes you realize, Bambi, what this person is looking for needs a mentor. So we kind of brainstorm so that they identify that mentor. You could hire me as a consultant, okay, to just help you figure out things. Or it could be a counselor. If you have emotional baggage that is not letting you go through it, the coach is not going to help you you need a counselor. So that is what I want to kind of put in context. So our, (laughs) the profession has grown that way and now I can confidently say that as Imagine Me Africa, what we are focusing on is that motivational training and providing them professional coaching, but with a skewedness to the corporate space. And so our vision is a world where every corporate person transitions or retires into a fulfilling, productive life. We don't want people to die within three months to five years because that's what the research says. In three months to five years, when they take away the job, you're dead. When you retire, you're dead. Why? Because you've not discovered your purpose. You think your usefulness is with that title. You're the manager. You ask people, what are you doing? And the first thing they would say, oh, I'm with NSSF. Doesn't it sound nice? So I'm nice. with World
0: Vision. Yeah. yeah. And yet you, there's a more to a person beyond what yes. they do. Joan, thank you so much for all the wisdom that you've dispensed this morning. And now I'd like to hand over to Mr. Chris Kawesa, our leader for Business Garage here. Chris, over to you.
2: Thank you, Pastor B3. Uh, again, we have a beautiful story. Joanne, Thank you so much for allowing me to come to share your story. It's really powerful.
0: Yeah.
2: As usual, as you are speaking, I see a person with a vision. Nothing stopped you from dreaming. Mm. You dreamt about those aeroplanes until you got on them. You reminded me that, you know, long ago, going to the airport, or, or if, if a relative is going out of the country, mm. it was a whole event. <laughs> yeah? It was a whole event. You go to that car veranda up at the airport, it's mm-hmm. no longer there. We used to go and stand there, and until you see the person entering the plane, It was a big event. You wave, you take flowers, (laughs) you know? So it reminded me of those those, those childhood days. So good. So you don't stop dreaming. Nothing stops you from dreaming. And then the thing of encouraging, you're an encourager. Mm. Uh, Encouragement is one of those things that every person needs, especially business people, because sometimes it's lonely at the top. But if you have someone who is working with you a certain journey, and I think that's the, the space you're playing in, it's very, very helpful. So thanks for being that encourager that you are your business is also unique it deals with the soul people yeah i know you can deal with organizations but also with people really you're helping people manage change yeah and change can be a problem you've been to spaces in the workplace in church in communities when there is a change it brings all sorts of character out all sorts of of of, um, challenges baggage change is a very very difficult thing to deal with so I see when you're dealing people, when you're helping people transition, you're dealing, uh, you're helping them manage change. Now, your pro- the problem you're solving is really a real problem. It might not seem necessary to people, especially if you're comfortable, you've not gone to a space where you need to change, but it's very, very important. Uh, I'll share a story that I'm, I'm not allowed. Uh, maybe I'm not allowed to say the organization, but there's this organization. It's a big organization. It's in every country in the world, and they did a the study. Uh, after people got retired, in the next three to five years, people were either dead or bankrupt after retirement. Yeah? And they had to come up, because it affected their employment strategy, because people didn't want to go to that organization because of the results. I mean, big good job, you travel over the world, you have per diem, you have cars, you have everything. But when you retire, it was a problem. Yeah. So the organization went to the best universities in the world and did research on how to help people transition after employment. Imagine? It's such a big deal. Mm. It's such a big deal. So as employers, as people who are employed, we need to start thinking about these things. And that's just one sector. That's after retirement. And it will not come to us because when you're employed after 60 years is when you realize, my goodness, how do I mm. transition? <laughs> transition. <laughs> so interestingly, one of the solutions they came up with was people to start business while they actually working. So, he developed a whole uh, study where people do business while they are working. So, you do a business as you're employed to help you manage your transition after. Wow. So, it's a very, very critical thing. So, when you talk to people about such things, a real-time problem. It's not for joking. And also, even internally, uh, today's workspace, and I'm going to ask you to talk about that, you have all kinds of variations of people. It's, well, The world is changing very fast. So, even as people who employ, You come into, you go, you employ people and you don't know how to deal with them. They don't know how to deal with you, especially the younger generation. People respond to WhatsApp more than they respond to emails. And we deal (laughs) with real issues and that's all transition. So, my question is one, I want to talk about today's workplace and what kind of transitions do we need internally. I mean, you shared with us a story where I'm your peer and tomorrow I'm your boss. How do you start to relate? Because those are all things you're dealing with. And then talk about the COVID season, yeah? So talk about today's workspace and transition, and then what has COVID done in workspaces? What's your experience, and how have you helped uh, in, in businesses?
1: You know, it's interesting that when you talked about people using WhatsApp before, they, I could see that person was saying, yes, yes, and I can see they are, <laughs> gener, they are what? They are Generation X. <laughs> we are operating in an environment where we have all these generations yes. in the same space. You have the baby boomers, you have the Generation X, you have the millennials, you have the Gen Y, you have the the digital natives, they are all in the same workspace. So there is nothing wrong with any of those generations. Mm. The only problem is me of my generation, how do I relate with this digital native? Because, I mean, it's not their problem that they came up, you know, when computers and this and smartphones were were out there and for you are yeah. born before computer bbc yeah. and you, and BBC. you want <laughs> you want these people to behave like you so i think the challenge when you think about today people must learn how to relate with these different individuals because remember we operate in a space where we it's about influence who are you influencing who are you speak whose life are you speaking into if you come and all you want to do is to impose your things of the industrial revolution <laughs> when i'm in the information age then we are not we are going to speak completely different languages so it becomes a challenge for you to just understand what is going on people are beginning to appreciate flexi work you know, I remember the first time I visited our office in, uh, the, my, in my former workplace, I visited our the, the, uh, office in Canada. It was such a huge building. I mean, thank God for this project. It's giving us some imposition, you know, like you go and you're able to see some structure and feel like, wow, where have I gone? But now in that space, I got in there and I realized people started flexi-working long time ago. <laughs> you would be in your office, put up whatever you want to put up to personalize it and exit at the end of the day leave because people would tell you, okay, fine, you had days when you would book to use that space. Mm. Okay, so then what would happen is that anytime they're having face-to-face meetings, they book them in on that day. And so that is exactly what goes on to say when we are in these workspaces, just understand what would happen. And let me give you a simple assignment. Whichever generation you are, in the next two weeks, book people for coffee. Don't go on Zoom meetings Mm. book book. go and figure out this, this baby boomer how do they think even if you decide to go and talk to your mother and just say what are the things that we are moving you so that you understand what is influencing the, their outlook to life book a digital native go to that 23 year old who has just come out of school and they are starting out work I'm glad that I, you know, I, I have a 23 year old in my home that every time I'm trying to understand the young people Yes, I turn to him and I understand a couple of things. Because sometimes when I'm stuck, you'll be there and say, bring your phone. Mm. You know, so they they align me very fast. Mm. And I have seen what is happening. But then you talked about uh, COVID. Do you know that, yes, COVID has affected people. Let's start from where it started. In March, when the lockdown happened almost everything was coming to a standstill. I mean, for me, we had um, LPOs being cancelled. You're already speaking business language here, so I think many people understand these LPOs. They were cancelled. Now, I had to make a choice. Do I get worked up because our LPOs are being cancelled? Because usually when the financial year is ending, we also follow the government year of um, July to June. That's when the last quarter is when expenses for our things, eh? Of these encouragement things. That's when people are spending a bit of money because probably they have balances and they are not sure what to do with them. So they are inviting you in, or it could be strategies that they are coming up with and they want you to come and facilitate. So that was happening. I had to sit and ask myself, how do I reposition myself? And I could see what was happening in the, in the workplace. Some people lost jobs. Yes. Okay. Others took pay cuts up to 45, 50% pay cut. Things were happening. But it's not the first change that we are witnessing. It's not the last change that we are going to see. Pandemics have been there before I told you I started public health. So we started about pandemics. Nobody has ever imagined that the whole world can shut down. No. No plane is leaving any place. And what I mean, I traveled through some of the busiest airports. I couldn't imagine that all the planes are grounded, Okay, So now the thing is, how do you reposition yourself? because it has also come with opportunities. Mm. I mean, before I would plead with my clients for us to have coaching sessions online, i say, "Ah, ah-ah, me, I I understand things better when I'm able to see you,
0: Uh when
1: I'm able to see you. But who said that that is how things are operating? Things have moved on. How have you positioned yourself for the digital age? How are you going to manage yourself as an individual so that then you're found to be useful? In my case, what we did was to say, let's reorganize ourselves, came up with the coaching packages, for example. I no longer do those one of things. Oh, Beatrice, can I come and talk to you? Oh, yes, come. How much for this session? I don't do those things anymore. (laughs) It's a package. What I need to understand is who are you? Where are you coming from? What are the things? Are you a perfect fit for the programs that we have? Because sometimes, like I'm saying, you listen to the person and you realize, actually, they need a mentor. So I will give you a session to just say, okay, let's talk through this. Find a mentor in this because I've understood who you are. But for people who are midway, you're busy doing the transitions. Mm. What did I leave out? No,
2: that's <laughs> fine. Uh, thank you, Joan, so much. Thank you so much. And people, uh, let's celebrate Joan. Such a beautiful story as a hand over to Pastor Bitho.
0: Wow, so much wisdom, intentionality, a pursuit of growth. Did you hear what she said? Success is not a miracle. It's not a miracle. It's not going to come upon you. You have to be intentional and you have to own your journey and take full responsibility and find someone who can hold your hand along the journey and also be someone who can hold the hand of another along the journey. But if you know a friend who needs a coach, why don't you send them to a coach, a a serious professional coach, not just a space where they are probably talking through things but they can get real help. Now, if you're watching us today and you've never met Jesus Lord of your life, I'm sure you've had in Joanne's story a lot of faith, a lot of leaning on God, hearing his voice, her being able to start her intentionally towards imagine me from hearing God, from the place of prayer. And would like to give you an opportunity to connect with God. Who knows your purpose? Who knows how he designed you, what he placed in you? And who wants you to succeed and give you a life of real meaning and purpose? So if you're here in the room or at home watching us online and you'd like to say yes to Jesus today, I want you to do something very simple. Just pray this simple prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Today I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Take my life and do something significant with it. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Summon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. thats 393